podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Jones! Bowden! He's got it! England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins! Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four and England have won the match! Welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket, our look back at the second day's play from Antigua, the first test of the Richards-Botham three-match series. And actually, Simon, it's building into a reasonably interesting game. It's been a bit slow, but you feel like the West Indies are going to get on to par to England. 311 England, West Indies 202 for four at the moment. You feel like it's going to be sort of maybe level pegging in first innings. So maybe West Indies even get a small lead. And the pitch may just do a little bit. And actually, there's some been good some good performances on both sides today under the, the canvas of, of, of a sort of slow, you know, evolving game. Yeah, I think one of the things about games like this is the proof will be at the back end of the game, how tight, how exciting it becomes on the last day or the, or the last but one day, because it, it is a slow build up towards that intended or expected or hopeful climax really because when you get a game like this you what you want is it to you know every run to matter every wicket to matter and just a handful of runs in it at the end and it could it could well be a really exciting test match and and West Indies have got themselves right back in the game what a sort of up and down sort of day it's been I thought England was shocking in the morning really poor I mean West Indies absolutely dominated the morning session and they were suddenly England just fell away in their first innings and West Indies raced away when they batted and England managed to drag it back in the afternoon session. Let's Should we have a look at that the morning session first mm. and then we can pick out yeah. some of the performances of the day and some of the key moments of the day? Seals, really good ball to get rid of Wokes, actually, I thought. It yeah. just surprised him, didn't it? That, that extra bounce, it is a sluggish pitch and he just surprised him one that bounced and took the glove and, and that, was, that was really good bowling. It's opened the way up for West Indies. Yeah, and it was a, a contrast to the first day where most of the bowling was attempting to get full and try and find some swing. And this was more old-school old West Indies banging it in shorts and trying to get the ball to bounce unevenly. Actually, I, I just, I'm just thinking back. It's funny listening to Curtly Ambrose in the commentary box and how intimidating he was when he was bowling. And, you know, England desperately trying to get forward against Ambrose and he's bowling so well in, in on these pitches which kept a bit low and the ball would just on a length snake through uh, or just a, a back of a length and pin them LBW and then he'd bowl a ball just short of a length it'd rear up sort of shoulder high and it was so difficult to play and there wasn't much of that sort of intent from West Indies in the first day but today they bowled more into the pitch and got the rewards with a little bit of uneven bounce. And so Seals got rid of uh, Chris Wokes with a good one. That opened the way, of course. Then Overton was out straight away afterwards. Well, I mean, slightly unlucky dismissal, wasn't it? That's but the, the short leg was quite deep, and he managed to cling on to it. And it wasn't the, the cleanest of catches. But suddenly England lost two wickets, and some of the good work that they did in fighting back yesterday was undone. And then Mark Wood, I thought Mark Wood and Johnny Bairstow actually played two really poor shots. Yeah, the, the, the thing, I mean, Wood was batting with Bairstow, so surely he should have supported him. They just bided their time, really waited for the waited for the, the ball to hit. It was a short ball. Wood went for a pull shot. It just ballooned up in the air, and then 
one of the things about Jack Leach at number 11 is that you can trust him a bit. He's not someone who just gives it away. OK, I know he nicked one between wicketkeeper and slip, but OK, he had his good fortune to get off the mark. And so I wonder whether Bairstow could have just trusted him a bit more, but he, he went for a really extravagant, big booming drive into the onside and Sky one out towards short third. It was actually a very good catch, wasn't it, by Jason Holder. I just I just thought England sort of frittered a couple of wickets away there at the oh, end. I totally you agree know, with you. You, just, you don't know how valuable those, those you know, 20, 25 runs might be in the final analysis. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. And there was no terrors in the pitch. Wood is a perfectly good batsman. I've said this Mm. before. I mean, I watched him practising at his home club, Ashington, last summer. And he's a good player, you know, and he can can apply himself. In fact, he was a batsman when he was Mm. a teenager. And a medium pacer. (laughs) uh, Yeah. And and I don't know why, he, he, he kind of has a bit of a... Sometimes he has a bit of a brain fade when he's batting and he gets into a kind of compulsive hooking mode, thinks he's a, a number seven swashbuckler. He, you know, he's, he's a tail ender, but he can play. He can stay in and he can hit some good shots. But he just got carried away. And I think sometimes, I don't know about this, but I think sometimes he looks a little bit nervous when the bowling is short, as if it's not scared, but it's just apprehensive. And then you, when you're apprehensive of the short ball... You do do silly things. Bearstow, well, he'd already had one big hack back over the mm. bowler's head, attempted hack over the bowler's head, which was sliced over slip. And then he did another one, attempted another one and got out. And I agree with you that England, it was almost like the shock of getting past 300 <laughs> for the first time in 14 <laughs> tests or something, or 14 innings, uh, was too much. And they thought, right, we've done our job now. We can get out and get bowling. Well, I think 350, 360 would have been a better score. And 3-11 is a bit of a nothing score. Yeah, 3-50 obviously would have been a better score. But I think they could have just pushed it up, 3 so 3.35, mm. something like that. And then yeah. you, it just takes it a bit further away from West Indies. I mean, it seems harsh to criticise Johnny Best because he played magnificently, didn't he? For 140 superb innings without him, where would England have been? You know, one, of, one of his you know, better test innings, I think it's, it's fair to say. You know, right banging in that middle order, 259 balls, 21 boundaries. I just Sometimes it's just those details, though, isn't it? Couldn't you be a bit more ruthless? And, well, we'll see. We'll see in the final analysis of the game. It's quite a tight match now, isn't it? Three hundred. I can hear Root now in the press conference saying, yeah, we, you know, we, we thought about it afterwards. And the learning is we should have got more in the first innings. <laughs> uh, well, how many times has he said that? Yeah. Well, it's a tight game. 311 plays 202 for four. I don't think that Carlos Brathway in the, in the BT studio, he was... It's quite down about West Indies' chances. Oh, well, if we lose another wicket now, Joshua Silva's not much of a player, and then the, the, the lower order's exposed and we'll get bowled out and England will get a 100-run lead. Well, it's 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 much tighter than that. And I, Holder is such an admirable cricketer. OK, you know, there were times when they just sat in against Jack Leach, but he's, he's toughed it out and he's given West Indies some hope with two days gone in this... Test match. He, he bowled really tightly, and he batted tightly as well. He, he yeah. gave England nothing, and he's he's forty three not out. La, on the last tour, England came up against him. He, he made a double hundred in the Barbados Test match when they did, West Indies didn't lose a wicket in the day. Uh, you know, brilliant innings and a, and a brilliant partnership. And he's he's such a he's such an admirable cricketer. And no, he and is. What, he is. Yeah, and 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 actually, they played so well. Him and Nekramaya Bonner. Uh, coming in at number four, you know, really excellent application because there was a spell of bowling after tea from both Ben Stokes and uh, particularly Mark Wood, bowling uh, some very good reverse swing. 
And Wood was getting the ball to really spear back into the stumps from high pace, you know, close to 90-odd miles an hour. And Stokes at the other end was was looking hostile and getting the ball to leave the bat with reverse swing and, and bowling a really good line. He's, he's often a better bowler when the ball reverses because he's got good control. You can control a reverse swing ball better than you can a, an orthodox swing ball, a conventional swing ball. I, I, don't ask me why. It just it just happens more regularly. Even if you get your action a bit wrong, the reverse swing can generally work, is a bit more consistent, a bit more controllable. And Stokes bowled a really good spell, got the wicket of, of Brooks, you know, sort of playing a rather loose shot outside off stump. And he added that bit of potency and control, which allowed Wood at the other end to really go for broke. And actually, those two batsmen, Bonner and Holder, resisted superbly. The technique to keep your pad out of the way, line it up, watch out for the movement, and and just stay in, play sensibly, was, was excellent. And they put on what seventy odd runs, seventy five, yeah, yeah. And I mean, that's they they're ready to go again, obviously in the morning. And you know, England are going to have to bowl well to separate them. Yeah, they didn't lose a single wicket after T West Indies. England fought back in that middle session, that, that spell you're talking about from Stokes uh, and Wood. And uh, the other thing about Stokes as well, we, we weren't sure if he was going to bowl. I, I, he did bowl in the warm-up game, so you had a hint that perhaps he might uh, bowl in this game. But he, he actually reeled off six overs in a row. You, I was When I was watching him, I was thinking, is he, is he just going to twang in the in the side at any any point? But um, it, was, it was a really good spell. He, it, it, it felt like a spell that really dragged England back into the game, actually, and... Put, put the pressure on West Indies and that, those sort of combinations. Suddenly it teed West Indies four down and England looked on, on top of the game, but we saw that excellent partnership in, the, in that final session. Uh, we should talk about Craig Brathwaite and that opening stand with John Campbell. I mean, Campbell's one of those sort of unpredictable uh, cricketers, takes the attack to the opening bowlers and can sort of knock you off your line, make you do strange things as a bowler. But Craig Brathwaite, what was he What was he doing today? I mean, normally he's one of the stodgiest openers in, in world cricket and he had a, a nice flirty 60 ball, 62 ball half century. I suppose that's, that's what happens actually when you're in good form sometimes because he, he, he made a double hundred in the lead up to the game uh, in a, in a um, inter-island match. So, you know, he was obviously in, in good form and I think he batted really well. It was, it, was a, it was actually quite a threatening and worrying opening partnership for England. At one point you thought, goodness me, Weston's really getting away here. If England don't nip this in the bud, they could take the game you know, away from England. And of course, England did were able to nip it in the bud. Campbell caught down the leg side. There was, the wickets were rather frittered away, I thought, by West Indies. And then they got that discipline back after tea. Campbell caught down the leg side, short ball from Overton, who I didn't think had a good day particularly. Um, it just the threat wasn't really there, and there was too many easy balls. And you know, you look at that England opening attack, Wokes and Overton, and it, mm. it didn't really it was work. Did it? Today, wasn't yeah, it? it looked innocuous. It did look innocuous. You're absolutely right. And then Brathwaite. I thought actually the Brathwaite dismissal did owe something to the extra pace of Wood because he couldn't. He, he Wood bowled it out wide, mm. and Brathwaite couldn't control it because of the extra pace, and. Overton took a good catch in the sort of backward points of gully region. Mm. And he's actually a good catcher, Overton, isn't he? He is, we've, yeah, we've very noticed good. that before mm. in, in England sides. Um, he's one of those bucket hand types. Yeah, his bowling just doesn't quite work. And, and Chris Wokes just, he's, he seems kind of dogged by this overseas record, doesn't he? Which is obviously poor, averaging over 50 with the ball. It's hard to put your finger on why. I mean, there's there's a lack of self belief there. Maybe 
it, it, which kind of every time everyone repeats it, you know, you, you average 50 overseas, you sort of almost start believing it. And I don't know, there's, he just doesn't seem to quite have the either the speed or the height or the extra bit of movement from reverse swing or something to get the wickets. And he seems to sort of lose heart somehow slightly. And, and so, yeah, I mean, you know, England did look a little bit impotent until Stokes and, and Wood, really. And, and, and Leach bowled well, didn't he? But he, he mm. stuck at it. He, uh, he, he just kept on quite metronomically bowling. I mean, there was a period where there was something like 11 maidens. He bowled, seven, he bowled seven maidens in a row, yeah. He reminded me, actually, that spell, it just reminded me of Monty a little bit because he, he almost bowled the same ball, ball after ball after ball. And he was just trying to get onto the front pad of the, of the batter and try and pin the LBW. I think one feature of England today, they did bowl straight, didn't they? They bowled with mid-wicket up or sometimes two mid-wickets. Their strategy, basically, was this is a pitch of variable banks. We're just going to bowl straight and bowl for LBWs. Didn't get a single one, actually. It's one of those sort of perverse days. But you feel on this pitch there are some LBWs around the corner. Uh, it seems that you know that was a really clear and sustained strategy from, from England today, that bowling straight. Just going back to Wokes, I wonder whether... You know, we talk about batters needing some time in the middle... Uh, you know, to, to acclimatise and to build some form. My bowlers need the same, aren't they? They need to to find rhythm. And England, well, they had a, a you know quick warm up game straight into a Test match. So you know, and the you know, I'm sure Chris Wakes will be feeling the pressure as well because he would have you know, he would have seen Broad and Anderson left out. He, I'm sure, he would have been aware of some of the comment around you know, 22 at home, 52 away. And so he, I'm sure, he'd have felt some pressure today. You know, here's the new ball, Chris. Uh, go out and. Go out and be Broad and Anderson. He had at least the benefit of, of using a Duke's ball, uh, which at least is, is more what he's used to in England. I had an email today, actually, from the owner of Duke's, uh, Dilip Jajodia, and he made the point, obviously, you know, promoting his own company, but also making a particularly a, a perfectly reasonable point that no one has said about the first test between Pakistan and Australia in Rawalpindi they blame the pitch. Why not blame the ball also for boring cricket? Because they obviously use the, either the Indian-made ball or the kookaburra in, in Pakistan. It'll probably be the SG, actually, the SG ball. Mm. Certainly not the Dukes, anyway. And uh, Dilip was making the perfectly reasonable point, actually, that often it's a combination of a very flat pitch and also a ball that goes really soft. And the, the great thing about the Dukes ball is it nearly always does keep it interesting. I mean, the pitch today in Antigua did get a bit slow. Well, it was slow sort of during the day, but the, there was something happening with the ball most of the time. And I think it does just keep the game interesting, a Duke's ball, which when you get the combination of a machine-made ball and a very, very dead pitch in somewhere like Rolpindi or um, you know Mumbai or somewhere like that, maybe Chandigarh, it, it does make for rather dull cricket. Yeah, well, you, we don't want another Test match like the one in in Raul Pindi for the for the second game between uh, Australia and Pakistan, which is coming up in in Karachi. I, I saw some comments from Ramiz Rajas today saying, you know, what what are we what were we supposed to do? Make a sort of fast bouncy pitch for Australia's uh, quick bowlers, which which sounds a bit defensive because Pakistan have got some decent quicks of their own, haven't they? And you think, well, yeah. you're in your home conditions, can you, you trust your own bowlers? Anyway, it'll be interesting to see what sort of pitch they come up with uh, for the next Test match. But yeah, pitch and ball. Uh, 
you know, can make a obviously that that combination can be sort of a lethal one of the spectators and unless you want to catch up on your sleep which um i'm sure quite a few people did during that first test match i mean this game i mean this game is a slow burner as well i mean it's mm, not slow it's not burner. yeah it's not a riveting um you, know, no. you can't take your eyes off it match yet the barmy army are doing their best to to keep it interesting with lots of singing and and music and stuff and again i suppose it makes me think back to the uh, the recreation ground where they used to play the tests in Antigua, and I, I just I just loved you know Chicky Chicky's disco was erected on the first tier of one of the main stands, and there was also Gravy the cross dresser who kind of came out and did his sort of did his bit, and and then uh, in the match in '94 when Brian Lara broke the world record 375, the game ended in a boring draw, uh, but the the party afterwards was incredibly memorable and I just every time I see Curtly Ambrose sat in a commentary box I think of him a facing his bowling which is absolutely terrifying and then watching him on stage playing a bass guitar and the bass guitar almost strangled him because he is so massive the bass guitar was sort of almost under his chin because um, the strap wasn't long enough to get around his massive frame and so he was sort of playing <laughs> almost like a violin he's playing the, the, the bass guitar was under his chin. Here, here's a little sample, actually, of, uh, of him playing, and it was Richie Richardson on stage as well in 1994, playing a bit of Calypso. And they, they just had a great time. And it, it was just, I think it, it's always been my favourite venue from a, an atmosphere point of view, the, the old antique ground, because of that, because of the music element. There was an iron band that used to go round boundary as well banging any piece of metal they could find um, tubes or hubcaps or saucepans or whatever and playing in rhythm and it was it just had that fantastic party atmosphere you can hear Curtly's little bit of bass in the background here um, he, I don't know I, I think he's playing tonight isn't he he's playing tonight in probably in Shirley Heights or somewhere in Antigua looking down on the beaches up above um, I bet that would be fun probably more fun than watching the game <laughs> Uh, right, one thing we had today, Yoz, we had Ben Folkes back behind the stumps for England. He dropped a catch. He actually dropped a few balls. He, 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 he comes with such a elevated reputation that actually when you see him uh, drop some balls, you're a bit surprised. And when you see him drop the catch, albeit it was a really difficult catch actually, sprawling away to his left-hand side, not dissimilar actually to the one that Josh uh, De Silva took on the first day to get rid of... A Crawley, although that mm. one was a bit closer to him. Everyone actually, everyone said that the the the, the, the silver catch, the, the silver catch was a, a brilliant catch. I thought it was one of those that I'd hope my wicketkeeper would take. Actually, you know, mm. it was a good, it was a good catch. It was a good snare away to his left, and he was like, you know, slightly off balance, and he went to his left and scooped it up. Good catch. The folks one, again, I think that's one that you you would desperately hope your keeper would take because he got a full glove to it. So how did you feel that? folks went today or is it or is this the sample a bit too small really to to judge him today I think it's a hard pitch to keep on because the ball skids through quite low and sometimes doesn't carry and also there's that bit of reverse swing as well and so and because the ball isn't ca carrying through very very high you have to stand a bit closer than you would normally mm. to to the bowlers like wood and so on 
actually, the, the catches that you're talking about that De Silva took and that folks missed are in that classic goalkeeper's hardest position, just sort of low, beyond their left foot, if they're right-handed. You know, it's it, isn't it true that you know, the, the goalkeeper's worst? A, a goalkeeper can dive full length and, and save it, but actually, if you go just a foot outside their left foot, mm. that's the hardest and very low. That's the hardest place to get at. So it, it is a difficult place. So, I, I, in fact, you know, you almost sort of think a keeper has done well to stop those, a wicket yeah. keeper, and catching them is, is a bit of a lottery. Uh, overall, I thought, and it, and it came fast as well. I mean, the one to, to Ben folks came really fast. It was, you know, a 90-mile-an-hour delivery from Wood, and it yeah. speared back Off the in, inside edge. Came yeah. off the inside yeah. edge. It was, a, it was a hard catch. It was, it was a one you'd probably catch... Three out of ten, I said. I'd reckon four out of ten, maybe. Um, yeah, I, I, he wasn't. Uh, he wasn't brilliant today, but I think, as I say, I think it was hard, hard place to keep. And the, the, often the hardest places to keep are those very low pitches where the ball comes through at different heights, and you have to stand very close. Whereas in England, I mean, the best place to keep is Australia, because the ball just comes off the the, the pitch and carries through to at a beautiful height. It doesn't swing after it's gone past the bat. It, it hardly ever goes past the bat if England are bowling. And so, you know, that's a lovely place to keep Australia. Yeah. Um, West Indies is tough. Yeah. I remember actually Jack Russell saying about the, he said the light is so good in Australia. He said, yeah. he said and, I, and my challenge when I'm in Australia is not to drop a single ball. And he'd say, you know, I haven't dropped a ball yet. And what he means by that, he doesn't mean drop a catch. He just means drop a ball on it on its way through. And we we did see Ben Folks actually drop a couple of balls on, on it just on its way through to the keeper today. So, yeah, I think that that makes the point. I think you made it well there about the difficulty of keeping on these sort of slight, it's a slightly up and down pitch, isn't it? It's actually, mm. it surprised me today that England, there weren't more LBW shouts. There were, there were a lot of, oh, oh, where the bat, batters were just getting the bat I down I think it's because it's a slow pitch. Yeah. Therefore, they've got enough time to get the bat down mm. uh, and because it's, you know, it, it's just coming off the pitch a bit slowly. It's a bit sort of, sluggishly so it is does enable the batsman to get the inside edge on it so West Indies are four down they are what are they 111 109 runs behind they are six wickets left the new ball is 13 overs away it's the third it's going to be the third day tomorrow the pitch is a little bit just a little bit up and down where, where's the balance of power in this game I mean, is it a really intriguing test match of uh, West Indies got Got, what have West Indies got to do in their first innings to to give themselves a realistic chance? Bear in mind they're going to have to bat last on this surface. It's pretty even, Stevens, as I said at the start. Obviously, England having batted first and West Indies having to bat last, that just gives the advantage to England. So, at this point, well, Betfair is saying round about 45% England win compared to, say, 40% West Indies win. Um so you know that that tells you England are slightly ahead. It all depends what happens in the next twenty-five overs on the third day. You know if England can get say one wicket with the old ball and then a couple with the new ball and get a lead of thirty or forty, that could be quite valuable. If West Indies these two get through the new ball and West Indies get a lead of forty or fifty, it's all to play for. Yeah, and England's batting is vulnerable. We've we've seen that. 
Uh, you know, they are not a solid batting lineup. West Indies do get a lead 40-50. There's a chance to put that third innings pressure on and then it comes down to how many uh, West Indies are capable of chasing and what the pitch is going to be like. I mean, we, mm. I think we have an expectation, don't we, this pitch is going to be harder and harder to bat on. Sometimes these Antigua uh, pitches, they they don't go as much as you, you expect them to. But you think it might just be a bit up and down. The fact England just bowling straight today for those LBWs and the, the low balls and the ones that perhaps just banked a bit more than they expect as well uh, suggests that you know by fourth and fifth day there's going to be enough there for the bowlers to make it you know a, a tough chase. You know, two hundred could be a tough chase, couldn't it? In the in the fourth innings of the yeah, game. Yeah, although I I think that uh, the West Indies bowling attack isn't as good on this surface as possibly England's could be, provided England bowls straight. And Wood and Stokes did bowl straight, and and actually to a lesser extent Wokes as well. I, I think the West Indies bowlers are more certainly Alzari Joseph and also Jaden Seals tend to bowl slightly wide of off stump, and I, I think they've got to straighten their lines up because otherwise they're not going to get those LBWs. So I, I think actually England's bowling attack is just that little bit. Maybe just that little bit more potent uh, as the match wears on. Okay, we shall see. Uh, it's certainly in the balance. It's it's an intriguing game, albeit not the world the most riveting uh, test match. But there's there's plenty of time for that uh, to improve. So yeah, West Indies is winning by one wicket on the on the final day, or England winning by. 15 runs on the final day. That that would make it interesting. Any anyway, interesting denouement to the game and, and sort of liven up the series as well. I think what, what I think what we want from here actually, if we do want that really tight sort of arm wrestle of a contest. I almost don't want one side to really take control of the game because this does have the makings of a, a fascinating uh, final day. Do, do you see any chance of a draw? Unless the weather intervenes, no. Okay, short and sweet. We'll speak to you tomorrow after three days of this test match when who knows where this this game uh, will have gone. Hope you enjoyed it. Goodbye for now. Podcast Network.